We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. And in this little mini-series of Giving Generously, part 3, the third part of this three-part series. So let's read this, these verses together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. Or I will read it aloud, you're following in your Bibles. Um, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Through the past two parts, past, past two sermons, We've considered the when, how, what, why, and where of giving generously. We've learned that preparing our hearts and our hands to give willingly allows us to give joyfully to the work of the Lord. And we consider that we are collectively responsible in the church to administer, to administer with excellence and integrity all of the time, talent, and treasure that have been given to the church. So it's not just the job of the few to administer, but all of us collectively as things are given to the church, we are responsible to see that those things are used for the glory of God, for the advancing of the kingdom. They're used in such a way that there is accountability, transparency, that there is the work of the Lord manifest in our giving. This morning... We're studying or we're considering this principle of sowing and reaping more broadly in terms of how we live our Christian lives. And then to apply that more specifically in the context of giving almost just at the very end here, I'll come to that. But I want to go into this, this idea, these principles of sowing and reaping because the Bible makes multiple references to sowing and reaping or giving and receiving. And it's not just related to finances or giving in the local church as such. And so let me go through a few of these scriptures and I'll draw some of the 
principles out of that and that will help us to apply this word that we hear. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 makes a very similar reference to what we read here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Luke 6 38 says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. We may not have that image in mind very much these days, but if you go to a wholesale place and you're buying whatever, sugar, flour, grains, whatever, and they fill your container or your sack, they'll pour it in and then they'll shake it a little bit, right, so that it settles. And then they'll pour some more. These days they don't do that. But, you know, in the past, you know, they would pour a little bit more and shake it and tap it so that it settles in and it's full. And the Lord says, I don't just do that much. I just overflow it, right? It just overflows. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 8 states, Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. And that's referring to how we treat one another. Hosea chapter 8 verse 7 says, For they sow the wind and they shall reap the whirlwind. And that's referring to the consequences of ungodly actions. The warnings that came even against the children of Israel. That the God was saying, you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. If you take ungodly actions, you think you're doing one thing at a level 2. You will get a level 10 back at you that will destroy you. And then Galatians chapter 6 verses 7 through 10 states this. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What's the point there? It's referring to the contrast between living according to the flesh and living according to the spirit. Reaping to the flesh, you sow, pardon me, you sowing to the flesh, you reap in the flesh, you reap the consequences of that. Sowing in the spirit, you reap the consequences or you reap according to the spirit. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 23, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and its meaning. He explains that the type of ground that the seed of the word of God is sown in, on the wayside, among the rocks, among the thorns, and in good soil, the type of ground will determine what you reap. If it falls in good soil, you will reap 30, 60, 100 fold. If it's falling in all of these other places, it won't yield the harvest that is required. In Psalm 126, it states this, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. 
Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. What's the reference? The word is telling us, it's giving these examples that when we continue in the midst of difficult circumstances, in the midst of opposition, when we continue to sow the seeds of repentance, obedience, faithfulness, then we reap the harvest of restoration and provision from the Lord. And then in Jesus, in Luke chapter 10, verse 2, he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. What's he saying? Oh, there's a sowing and a reaping in terms of the salvation of souls. So many different kinds of examples, so many different references here. Nothing related to even just, you know, what we read in 2 Corinthians directly. But on that principle of sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, of knowing that there is this, this reciprocity going on, that there is this interaction, and we've got to pay attention to that. We've got to say, Lord, what is it that you're saying? What is it that we should do? And so let me go through some general points about sowing and reaping. These will be so obvious to you, but we need to hear these things again and again, reinforce them so that we say, when we face different situations, these truths are coming back to us. Because guess what? The world is giving you a soundtrack in your head. Your flesh is giving you a soundtrack in your head. The devil is giving you a soundtrack in your head. And when you face a situation, if the word of God doesn't immediately come to mind, guess what you're listening to? The world, the flesh, and the devil. And their voices are loud. I, 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 we, were at, we were at a wedding yesterday. It was so loud in the reception. I was like, I can't hear myself. But, you know, the world is very loud around you, right? Very loud. If the word of God is not loud in us, if the word of God is not richly in us, if the word of God is not coming right away, we will be distracted by all the voices of the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we reinforce these truths. We keep coming back to the word, the word, the word, the word, and we say, oh, Lord, let me hear it again and again and again. So some general points about sowing and reaping. Seeds that are sown yield a harvest. Seeds that are sown yield a harvest. If they're sitting in the, our hand or sitting in some container or, you know, sometimes, and, and by the way, there have been seeds that have been found in tombs, right? Egyptian tombs or Incan tombs or whatever. And when they have planted those seeds, after hundreds and thousands of years, when they have planted those seeds, those seeds have sprouted. They've just remained dormant in wherever they were. But when they were planted, they grew. The nature of a seed is to sprout, grow, and bear fruit that contains more seeds. That's the nature of the seed. That's what God did. Now, of course, you need the right conditions of soil and sun and moisture for that seed to even sprout. But you can typically expect 
that a healthy seed that is sown in good soil will yield a harvest. It's just an expectation. And even if you don't know, so if you don't, didn't, if you don't remember from your botany class in school or college, or even if you don't know that most seeds contain an embryo, an endosperm, and a seed coat, the three parts that are typical of most seeds. Gardeners know this, right? And if you don't know that, and even if you've never studied seed genetics, and you know, you've never studied why and how a seed grows, you know, even though you've never studied about seeds, you know that when a seed is sown, it will yield a harvest. That's the nature of it. Well, let's go to the next point. When you, what you harvest, if a seed will always give you a harvest, if a seed that is sown will always do something, because that's the nature of it, then what you harvest depends on what you sow. If every kind of seed yields something, then you've got to be very careful about what type of seed you're planting. You can't, it, it goes without saying that the fruit you harvest is dependent on the type of seed you sow. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20, when talking about discerning false prophets, Jesus uses this analogy, Jesus uses this metaphor. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. What's the principle and the application for us? You should know what kind of seed you're planting. Where and how and what are you doing when you say, I'm giving? What are you giving your time to? What kind of seed are you planting? What are you giving your talents to? What kind of seed are you planting? Or what is it that you're doing? Where do you give your treasure? How do you give your treasure? What kind of seed are you planting? Because the type of seed that you plant is the type of harvest that you're going to get. Right? There's a type association here and a very, you know, what Jesus says, you can't plant a, a, a fruit seed and get thorns. You can't plant thorn seeds and get fruit. He's saying they just don't go together. So there's a need for us to be very critical, very deliberate to examine what we're doing. What are we sowing? Next. What you harvest depends on when you sow, right? What you harvest depends on when you sow. The seasons matter. And you have to be sensitive to the seasons of life that you are in. When you are in a season of life where God has called you to do something in the family for the sake of the children, for your marriage, whatever it may be. But you decide, no, no, I'm going to go do this outside. I'm going to go give this way. And you may even do something that seems good, that may even seem godly. 
but it is not at the right time. And what happens? Your seed is sown when it is not the season. It doesn't come up. It rots in the ground. It is not able to germinate because you're not sowing in the right season. You're giving your time. You're giving your talent. You're saying, oh, I've done all these things. But you haven't done it at the right time. And it doesn't have the opportunity to grow. The reason we would have the harvest in the fall is because the seeds were planted in the spring and it had the summer rains and it had the autumn rains and then there was the harvest. You know, all of you who are tending to your lawns, you're not doing farming, but you're tending to your lawns. There's a time in which you have to seed the lawn. You can't just do it in the middle of the summer when it's, you know, blazing hot and not enough water and all of that. The seed just, you know, dies. There is no way to reseed your lawn at that time. But in the fall, when it starts to get cool, what do, what do they say? Okay, now's the time. Till up the ground, make sure you're aerating it, and then plant the seed. Right? And then in the spring, up comes all this grass. There's a season for what we have, when we have to do things. Now, when we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I said the mindset that we have to get to in terms of giving is to give regularly. Not to say, you know, I'll give when I have, I'll give when I think, I'll give when it's convenient, but to have the discipline and the practice of giving regularly, of just letting that be something that we do. Just as we breathe, just as we eat, just as we exercise, we say, I give. It's just a regular part of what I do. This point that I'm making this morning is not quite about just being in that discipline and in that mindset of giving regularly. This is talking about the fact that we have to be sensitive to the Lord to what season of life this is and then to give appropriately, to know what should we do. Now, the next point is related to that, which is what you harvest depends on where you sow. If your seed is being thrown on the wayside, if your seed is going into the midst of the rocks, if your seed is going into the midst of the thorns, you're not going to get a harvest. And you may be well-intentioned. You may be really keen on doing that. You may say, oh, this is what I want to do. God is telling me to do this. And God may be very well calling you to sow seed. But you've got to know, am I sowing this seed where the Lord wants me to sow it? Am I spreading this seed with all my effort in a place where there is good soil? Again, that doesn't just mean what that opportunity is. It means what is the receptivity of what you're doing. It means that you are paying attention to how it's making a difference. You're adjusting. You're paying attention to what is necessary you're saying, in this soil, I have to till a little bit more. In this soil, I have to water this. In this soil, I have to cover it because there's, I don't know, blazing sun. Something is going on. In this soil and in this location, there are pests and I have to do something. So you're paying attention to where you give, where you sow. So the sowing is not just throw the seed. I did it. I was obedient. No. Rather, you're saying, where should I give? How do I sow in such a way that it's falling in good soil? 
Again, last week, I talked about the fact that one of the points about giving, and we talked about giving as the question of where to give. I said, you know, we, our majority of our giving and the priority of our giving is to the local church, is to build up the local church in such a way that that place in which we are connected to, accountable to, and fellowshipping with others, we will provide for the care and the ministry of that local church. And as each each person in the body of Christ gives to their local church, each local church is built up and able to flourish together over the, you know, in the world around us. So that's not the point that I'm making this morning. I encourage you to do that. And there are plenty of needs that, you know, even as I was talking about last week and how we do that and how we administer it and how we prepare for, you know, giving in the local church. That was all last week's message. You can go and listen to it later and hear all of that. But what I'm talking about today is that we have to be conscious of, is if the local, and I said this last week, I read this out, you know, if the local church that you are giving to is not administering the funds in the way that you, you know, that is right before the Lord, leave that local church. Go to the place, be clear and sure that you're doing something and you're giving to where the Lord wants you to give. Make sure that what you harvest is dependent on where you sow. Now, one more point, one more general point, and then we'll go into this application here. Sowing and reaping affects your spirit, your soul, and your body. Notice all that is associated with sowing and reaping in all these verses and all these things that we read about. You are engaged spiritually to even acknowledge that the creator of the universe has decreed that as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Seasons, locations, motivations, these are spiritual things. These are not intellectual. We don't just go by the information we gather and say, oh, I'll do this. Rational decision. We say, Lord God, first and foremost, I have to hear from you. I have to listen to you. I have to be led by the Spirit, not by compulsion, not by anything else. But I'm led by the Spirit. This is all spiritual. This has to be in terms of knowing God and knowing what He is saying. If not, it doesn't work. So first and foremost, we're engaged spiritually. Then, and I'm going in the, just in the next point to just make a point about the body. You are engaged in your body. There's a labor associated with sowing and reaping. Now, you may say, oh, I'm not working in the fields. That's true. But you are working at a job. You're doing something else. You're giving of your physical energy to earn that and to do that, and then to be able to direct those resources the way the Lord would lead you. There's a physical activity involved in your sowing and reaping. And then, quite importantly, you are engaged in your soul, in your heart, and in your mind. You're engaged in your emotions to in all sorts of ways, but particularly when you think about how your heart and your mind are, are engaged, you're exercising faith. You're standing in expectant hope of that harvest. 
You are being filled with the Spirit of God to be at peace in your mind. You can have lots of anxious thoughts about sowing and reaping, right? When you put that seed in there, you're like, oh, I don't know. Is there enough rain? Is there enough soil? Is there enough sun? Is there, you know, are, are the birds being kept away? Do I have enough scarecrows in the field? You're, you can have lots of anxious thoughts about what you have sown. Will these folks administer it correctly? Oh, you have all these anxious thoughts. The, to be able to have faith and hope and peace and patience to wait for the harvest, that takes your soul to be completely surrendered to the Lord. Because emotions run strong. And the moment you, the topic of giving or money or anything else comes up in the church, emotions rise. Hmm? I don't know. All they talk about in that church is giving. It's about three weeks. That's it. No. Um, but you know what? That, but the reason that these emotions come up is that there are emotions of loss and sadness when expectations are not met. And there are strong emotions of joy and gladness when the harvest is brought in. These things affect us. And so instead of being led by those emotions, instead of giving way to those emotions, we've got to say, Lord God, how do I pay attention to you? How do I let all of this that affects my spirit, my soul, my body be subject to your word and to your guidance? Which brings us to our point of application this morning. We respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by sowing in faith and reaping with joy. You know, let me, let me say this. When we talk about sowing and reaping, very often there are kind of two extremes. There could be more, and, you know, but I want to highlight two extremes. One extreme is where we sort of treat it like fate. You know? If I do this, then this will happen. I, I have no control over it. I have no means of affecting it. Oh, you know, this person did this wrong thing. Uh, well, that's, that's what's going to happen to them. And it's very fate-based when you think like that. Not faith-based, fate-based. Right? The other extreme, and this can tend to be in the church, is to say, well, if I give to God, God will give back to me. Because it says, give and it will be given back to you. Now, you're not giving according to the direction of the Lord. You're not giving according to the timing or the seasons of God. You're not giving where the Lord wants you to give. But you're giving with this idea that because I gave this, God will have to give back to me. That's just like fate. It's just a different kind of expectation. Not rooted in God, not, but rooted in self. Because I say, I gave. I gave a hundred. I expect a thousand. I gave. It's, the focus is on me. And both extremes have one thing in common. God is not sovereign over either. God is not the one in control. I am. So we got to be careful when we talk about sowing and reaping that we don't go in these kinds of ways. We say, Lord God, help me. I hear your principles. I look at your word. And you have said that you will give, that you will give in abundance, that you will bless, that you will pour out the blessings of heaven and that there won't be room enough to contain it. 
But I have to be conscious of why I'm giving, how I'm giving, where I'm giving, when I'm giving, all of that, what I'm giving. I have to be conscious of that as led by the Holy Spirit, not trying to go into some manipulation. God, I gave to you, you better give back to me. How could this happen to my child when I have been giving in the church? Have you heard that? How could this be going on? Because all my life I've been a tither. Why is it that I'm... Does God owe you? Are you getting God to be indebted to you by your giving? Are you saying, oh, you know, I gave over my lifetime. I've given regularly. I've given $100,000. God now owes me a million. Is that what you're doing? We've got to be careful that we don't misapply the Word of God. When it says give, and He will give back to you. Right? The Lord is generous. Let's put all of these spiritual parallels of sowing and reaping together to our passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Because here's the point. Here's the summary of it. Generously distribute the resources the Lord puts into your hands, not out of obligation or by compulsion, but rather when and where the Holy Spirit directs you. And the Lord who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, meaning he is the Lord of and sovereign over both the sowing and the reaping. He gives seed to the sower and bread for food, sowing and reaping. He is sovereign over both of it. When the Lord is sovereign over both of it, he will, not maybe, he will increase your store of seed and of every type, not just some type, and will, will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. That's his promise. So you say, God, that's what you've said. That's what I will hold you to. So note verses 11 through 14. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The generous giving of our time, talent, and treasure will result in thanksgiving to God. Our generous giving will meet the needs of those in the body of Christ and the needs of those who are yet to be harvested, brought into the body of Christ. Our generous giving will testify of the gospel of Christ, of the Lord's generous giving that resulted in our restoration with him. Our generous giving is made possible by our receiving the indescribable gift of God. Oh, let's be a church that's eagerly desiring that gift. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that, Lord, you have given us everything, everything, everything that we need, everything that we even, Lord, above and beyond what we ask or even imagine. I thank you, Lord, that you are generous with us, not sparing. And, Lord, when you call us to give generously, not sparingly, it is to follow your example. And, Lord, to do that in the right way, with the right motivations, in the right place, at the right time. Lord God, help us, grant us grace to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word that continues to, Lord, just speak wisdom to us. Speak and give us counsel so that, Lord, we don't have to rely on our own thinking. We don't have to rely on the pressure of the world. We don't have to wait for the next appeal, the next fundraiser. We simply have to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for that. Come, Lord Jesus. And in all that we do during this, as we apply this word, let your name be glorified. Let this church be built up. Let your body be strengthened. Let your kingdom advance. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.